So Pastor Kevin York is one of the leaders in every nation, one of the apostolic leaders. He's based in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, his impact, ooh, there's some Tennessee people in the house. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he is one of the person, very few people that consults for churches. So he helps churches to grow, churches that are battling to move from 200 to 300, from 300 to 500, so we can reach more people. So we're excited that he's here because after this, 12 o'clock is going to move to 500. And uh, I see Pastor Leroco is excited about that, you know. Also, he's married to Renee. They have been married for 39 years. That we must celebrate. 39 years. Almost four decades of marriage. That's amazing. And they have uh, three children, nine grandchildren. When I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Kevin. Let's stand up, honor him as he comes up to come and give us the word. Thank you so much. Kevin, this is our youngest baby. Thank you. You may be seated. It's great to be in the youngest baby service. So I'm glad you were born. Um, it's such a privilege to be here with such very close friends. Simon and Lindy have been friends for many years. Um, just to tell you about Simon and his role globally. Um, you know, with every team member, you always want to study who they are and how they impact the team. And I've always felt like Simon could be an ambassador for South Africa and do a very good job because that is his stamp on all of life. Um, I was asked to come here to work with the team in the Cape. And uh, so when they asked me if I would come, it's been quite some time ago, I said, no, I will not come unless you let me choose a team in South Africa to do all the work because I'm real old and don't want to do the work anymore. And... And this becomes a South African project and not an old man that's almost dead from America. And so uh, they agreed to those terms. And I said, so Simon will be on the team. The reason is because the work we were going to do is very rigorous. It's ex mentally exhausting. It takes many, many hours. I needed a large team. And I needed the man that in the darkest of the night would summate and be the ambassador on the team. And I cannot tell you how many times Simon would push pause on all the work we were doing, summate it, and bring the presence of God and the wisdom of God into the room. And so it's a great privilege that he serves on our international apostolic team uh, in the same exact way. Uh, Roger and um, Nicola, Simon and Lindy, and Roger and Nicola, um, have also been friends, and Roger is the guy I always want if there's a decision that needs to be made. Roger can put up with detail for about five minutes, and then we got to get to a decision. So he's Mr. Decisiveness, and we need him at an international level. When you get a bunch of people in a room and you start, it, it, we are multinational, multilingual, multi-multi. I mean, every multi you can imagine in the room. And when we try to problem solve, I love having Roger in the room because he'll stand up to all the detail people. You know those weird detail people. And he will want us to move to the decision process. And Roger also sits on our international apostolic team. South Africa has a big voice into what we do globally. Um, many times we also ask others to come from South Africa to stack the African deck uh, because we are so grateful for your input into what we do globally. 
Um, and we're so impressed by what you do in South Africa. Introduce you quickly to my family. This is them right there. Oh, no, this is my family. Yeah, the other one was uh, just lucha masks. Um, you'll notice that my family is quite international. Um, for some reason, my oldest daughter married a Mexican-American, uh, second generation, and so they gave birth to a mocha child, a latte child, and adopted two black Ethiopians. And so my son-in-law is very brown. My wife, my, sister, my daughter is very white, and they have mocha latte black black. Then my middle daughter married an African-American, and um, he's also in business. He trains professional basketball players. He's got a business. He skill develops for NBA um, players, Brandon Wright, if you see Brandon, or Rob Carpenter, or et cetera, et cetera. He is their skill development coach, and so he's very much like me, built like me, has the same vertical jump as me, same kind of shot uh, mechanics that I do. Why are you looking at me like you don't believe me? My daughter married me. I mean, that's what she was looking for. And he's airbrushed like me. I look at him and think, you don't even look stinking real. That's got to be an airbrush thing. And they gave birth. When they gave birth to three children and then adopted one, it's like God knocked all the paint uh, colors over. And so they have every skin color, hair texture, eye color. So you just get confused when you look at their family. It is a, and, and they're all uh, stunning. The reason my kids were afraid to marry white people is because they wanted to change the gene pool. They looked at me and thought, we got to get to work. And so um, they have very effectively changed the York gene pool. We're, we're transformed by the renewing of the genetics. And then my son, because I'm very organized, I, I'm known as an organizational guy, I sat down with the family and I said, look, we got Africa covered. We've got Europe covered, North America covered, South Africa co South America covered. We've got Oceania covered. And so there's only one place left. You've got to marry an Asian. I told my son that. So he's compliant and married an Asian. And she's there on, the, on my left-hand side. And so this is the every nation of Kevin York right here. Um, and my son, my son that's right here, the kind of the mostly bald guy, that's his little Asian-looking boy. He told his wife, he felt the pressure. So he tells his wife, he goes, honey, this baby better look Asian, or I don't know what my family's going to do. We met and decided we would sell that baby and make them keep reproducing until that was Asian. So glad the baby turned out Asian. Um, take out your Bibles. Yes, I will get to the Bible. We're going to spend five minutes in the Bible. I just wanted to talk about my family because I'm missing them deeply. Um, I know that you guys are in a series on God's generals. Um, anyone that is ever known as a hero, whether it's male or female, becomes a hero because they somehow engage evil and bring about change. That's why they're a hero. And so I want to talk a bit about engaging evil um, and fighting against evil. Evil began with a collaborative effort of Satan and two humans. And since that day in the Garden of Eden, if you believe in the biblical story of creation, evil was born 
and has been pervasive ever since then. The event there not only catastrophically damaged the human condition, but it empowered the spiritual place that Satan had. Now he had access to the whole of the planet. And so the malignant nature of human evil conjoined to satanic evil has created the mess that we are in today. And you can't escape the mess. I mean, you may think with your president, I mean, we got one of those too. We voted for the tweeting president. Enough said. Um, So everybody knows about our president because he tweets every five minutes things. So what we're praying is God would sew his mouth shut and that his staff would damage all of his technological things so he couldn't tweet. But evil is very pervasive. And so it was in the day of Scripture. Aren't you glad that the Bible was born in the worst of times? Uh, Because it is the single thing that shows us what's wrong with society and the single thing that shows us how to fix what's wrong with society. And so the city of Ephesus was quite a place for evil. It was the temple of Artemis' home. home. Uh, evil was rampant, and it was very destructive. And so Paul was writing to the Ephesians to tell them how to fight. And as he comes into the sixth chapter, he has framed two things before we read it. Through this whole book, he identifies two things about fighting. Number one, you fight in Christ if you're a believer. Say, in Christ. Say it louder. And now say, fight in Christ. When you're fighting for your marriage, you are fighting in Christ. When you fight in the marketplace, you are fighting in Christ. When you're fighting political systemic injustice, you are fighting in Christ. Wherever you find evil and you fight it, you are fighting it in Christ. The second thing that Ephesians frames is it is in community. Everybody say in community. When you fight, you are fighting in community. When you fight for your marriage, hopefully you are fighting it in a community of believers. God is a three beings in one and it is community. If you take theology on a master or PhD level, they begin with the Trinity. Because God could not design anything with beings in it that would not be communal. And and so the idea of a great Christian that is not connected to a local family is a myth, actually. You're not, you couldn't possibly be. It's, it's, It's a diametrically opposite term and it's found nowhere in Scripture. So when you read this, this is not about you. It's about us. It's about we, okay? And it's about who we are in Christ, and that's critical. Let us read. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let us pray. Jesus, we ask you to be present, to teach us, and to guide us. Jesus, I pray that if there's anyone here that you are not the Lord of their life, and they're trying to discover what that means, that you would speak to them somehow um, through my voice and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. A life in Christ is an extraordinary life, but we will face serious opposition in our lives. Serious opposition. Paul wanted the Ephesians to know that evil was real, that it was not a metaphor. Hopefully in South Africa, most people think that evil is not a metaphor, that there's actually a power and a person behind that. But where I live, most Americans think that evil is some kind of a metaphor. And so Paul wanted to make sure that the Ephesians knew that evil was real. So he began to stack up concepts of evil. He said evil schemes. How many of you think that sounds really bad? Think about this. There is a scheme of evil about us. I do advanced strategic planning. It's shocking to think that there is a strategic plan in play and it's evil and it's aimed at us. Encourage yourself in the Lord with that. <laughs> evil schemes. There's evil forces. He said there's an evil one and there's an evil day. How many of you ever had an evil day? How many of you ever had an evil day that lasted a week? How many of you ever had an evil day that lasted a month and a year? I had an evil day that lasted five years. He's piling up these things. He's piling up. It is evil. It's worse than you think. On your worst day, it's worse than you think. He's saying everything is arrayed against you in the spiritual world and there's a person and persons behind it. Now, it's important to feel the weightiness of that because of what he's about to say. So he says this, he, once you drink that Kool-Aid and you get it deep inside, is Kool-Aid a thing around here? Once you drink that appetizer, how's that? And why they don't sell that all over the world, I don't know. But that is like platinum. That is gold. That is, it's addicting. I mean, it's terrible. I went to, you go to bed at night and you have a dream of appetizer. You're going, and then grape-tizer is following the appetizer. And you think, what is this? And so evil is pervasive. It's pervasive. It's evil from your own soul. Your soul is so dark and so evil, you can't, you couldn't stand it 
if you knew how evil it was. It's everywhere. When you wake up, the moment your eyes open, you're facing the evil of your soul. And you haven't even opened the door yet. But just in case you get depressed and say, I'm going to stay in bed and so that the evil day doesn't happen, the evil day will come to you in your bedroom. It will get up in the bed with you and, and Satan will just begin to have a conversation with you. And it will be worse because the more you isolate as a believer, the more he will pick you off as fast as he can. And so evil, the evil day is there. Now he says this, he starts repeating a word. Again, repetition. This is critical when you're studying the Bible. Don't go to commentaries. Just look for the repetition. Evil, 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 evil. Get it? Evil. Then he says, and because of that, you are not to be against flesh and blood. Now, if anybody's married anybody, you realize there's a lot of evil in other folk. I mean, look around this. Look at all the evil people. You know the person by you is evil. I'm not talking about you. You know you're not evil. It's that person you're sitting by. Now, once you say, I thought Renee was perfect until we said, I do. And then all kinds of evil came out over the last 40 years. For the first 15, I thought she was Satan Jr. I thought she was possessed from head to toe. I, I spent the majority of my prayer time, because I was a good Christian man, uh, praying, God, change this evil woman you put with me with. About five years into our marriage, when I gave up the I Gotta Change My Wife project, I gained 45 minutes a day in prayer. When I quit preaching to her, my favorite scriptures in the Bible about what she ought to be, the evil that was in my soul began to rise and become clearer to me. And I kind of needed that 45 extra minutes from moi. In case you don't understand the French, that means me. I stopped being against my wife. If you do that in your marriage, you'll build a great marriage. I am asked all over the world, how I could possibly have a marriage like I have. And it's because we both gave up decades ago on the Change the Mate project. And we shifted to a Change Me project. And it's amazing how amazing your marriage gets. But that doesn't mean evil is not in people. It means this, that the evil in people is custom designed to show you your own evil. And it's why you don't come against flesh and blood. When I find a narcissist like me, like I was, that thinks they're God's gift to creation in the marriage, And they can't see their own dark, deep evil, but have lists of their mate. And their whole marriage is against flesh and blood. If you want to fight that way, fine. 
Be the man. Be the woman. Destroy the person you're sitting across and fight like hell because that's what you're fighting like. But if you want to fight like heaven, and that's the point that Paul was making, that as believers there's a way we fight and it is not human. So you don't engage evil that is in flesh and blood. That's very important. We'll understand in a minute. He says, but you should come against. And that word pros means this. You face to face engage the evil until it is no longer. It's a continuing imperative. No, I'm going to stand against it and stand against it and stand against it and keep standing against it. And if I die and nothing change, I still was a force against the evil. So it's against the wickedness in the heavenly places. It's against the evil day. It's against the evil one. It's against the demonic powers, but it is not against flesh and blood. Are you tracking with me? So if you want to fight evil, everybody say fight evil. You have to understand what it is that you are fighting. You're fighting evil and not flesh and blood, even though evil rises out of the heart of flesh and blood. Does that make sense? Good. Satan is real, demons are real, his schemes are real, and Paul wants us to know you are no match for Satan, but Satan is no match for you if you are in Christ and in community. And he wants that to be extremely clear to the Ephesian church, and I think it still preaches today. The next thing is fight empowered. Everybody say fight empowered. You fight evil empowered to be strong in the Lord and in the might of His power. Now let's, take a, let's think about that concept. So you got to fight this evil. you got to stand against it. And then he tells you how. He says, you fight and, and your goal is to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, not yours. Okay, you may want to be the big bad man and you just go be the man and see how long that lasts you. Because the last time I checked, fighting in the flesh is not the way that he wants us to fight. And arrogance and pride and the deception that you're the man and you don't need God. And you just engage the fight. So to be strong in the Lord. Listen, the second thing he's saying is the goal is not to win. When you wake up every day, if your goal is to win against evil, you will not last in your marriage. If you wake up and you decide you're going to fight political, systemic injustice, you will quit long before any progress has been made because winning is never your job. Your job is to wake up every day and say, today I am going to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, and that's all I have to do today. Because if I am strong in the Lord, that presupposes that inside of me, I am leaning into Jesus Christ. And my goal is to be strong in Him, and it is not to win. I decided I'm not going to fight against Renee, and I don't care about winning. And boy, if you want to make a tough decision, make that decision. It is far easier to fight Renee and want to win 
the hardest decision is waking up every day and say, Jesus, today I'm going to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And when my wife's head is spinning and she's manifesting every devil in the world, <laughs> that will not be an excuse for me to have pervasive kindness and gentleness and meekness and understanding because my job is to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, regardless of what's come. That, my friends, is hard to do. But you know what? That's being strong in the Lord. Now, something happens to you that He's about to describe if you wake up every day and you're going to be strong in the Lord. And the choice that you make every day about the relative importance of your life with Jesus Christ determines whether you're going to be armored or whether you're not going to be armored. You see, some Christians read this passage of Scripture and they think it's an active command. In other words, you go get this stuff on real quick because you're about to have a fight. Go get the sword and the shield and all that stuff that you don't even give a rip about until the day of battle. So many Christians blow the dirt off their Bible and then they, go, they start declaring the armor on themselves. And it never works and they know it never works. The armor that the soldiers wore was heavy. Listen, if you say you're going to be strong in the Lord and His mighty power, you never have an option to be bitter at anybody or anything, anywhere, everywhere. And that's weighty. You're constantly using the word of God because it is the preeminent authority for everything in life and you don't, and you cease to care about what you think because you've lived a life based on what you think and it always ends up bad. And so the word of God that is the sword of the spirit, it is on you all the time. So what he's saying is if you're strong in the Lord, that means this is, actually, this is not a description of Roman armor. This comes from the Old Testament. It's a description. All this is nothing more than the Old Testament's description of, who, of the armor that God wears. All through the Old Testament, it says God is has a, a breastplate of righteousness. He has a belt of truth. He has the sword of the Spirit. And he has the helmet of salvation. These are Old Testament scriptures lifted and put in meaning. It's the armor that God wears. So if you are in Christ and you are leaning into Christ, he armors you. It's a passive command to put on and to take up. Now, isn't that odd? Passive command. How can you passively command to people to do something? This is what it means. You worry about being strong in the Lord, and He'll worry about giving you the armor. And then when the day of evil comes, you don't proclaim anything. But listen, if you have a weak walk with Jesus and you're walking away from Him, that armor is too weighty. Because the shield of faith disallows bitterness. And if you haven't carried that weight with your mate, you can't declare it on. No, 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 no. That's the armor that Jesus wears all the time. And if you are in Christ, 
and you're leaning into Christ and you're leaning into community, he gives you that armor and then he demands that you use it. Isn't it great that the only thing God ever demands from us is what he gives to us? And then he demands it from us. And so when he says, take up the shore, the, the sword and the shield and the, all the things, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, he's, he's metaphorically saying this, keep your walk with Jesus close. And you, my son, and you, my daughter, will be well equipped every single day to come against and stand against every form of evil. And you will be equipped to not Fight flesh and blood. Because it's all one package deal. Does that make sense? This is a profound truth. Christians that lean into Jesus that don't even know this do well in spiritual wars. And they don't even know it. All they know is i got to wake up every day and be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Just do that every single day. Make the Word the center of your life. One guy once told me, he goes, well, you know, I, I don't read very well. I said, then get the Bible app where the Bible is read to you. It's free, stinking online. The point is, if you don't make the effort, don't ever think you can declare these things on you. It is too heavy for you. It is too weighty for you. You can't live a free life in your soul and not engage Jesus Christ on a daily basis. You cannot be armored and be away from the body of Christ. It is impossible. It is impossible. And then last, or last two, fight together. I know I've talked about this. Isolation. Isolation. Uh, when you find people that are bitter at the body of Christ and have the list, that is shocking to me. Because hidden behind bitterness is the presupposition that you've got your act together. In fact, remember what Jesus said about bitterness? He says, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you because, listen, buddy, I forgave you far more than you. And take the log out of their eye, right? You got, I mean, the splinter out of there. You got a log in your eye, buddy. Oh, and I have heard thousands of reports on why the body of Christ is. And all that simply means is you're really screwed up. And that's theologically all that that means. And don't even try to get in a Bible war. Whew. Take that idea to the Bible and see where you can fit it in. I mean, Jesus is dead serious about us. Because we are the only things that every day we wake up, the church is the only, only entity that every day we wake up is fully equipped to stand against every single day and know what to stand against. And so a lot is riding on us because we are very much equipped. And then last, would you please stand just as a picture. Where's a fight standing? He says, after having done all to stand. 
And then he starts the next sentence with stand. Again, a mention, a double, double mention. Now, what does that mean? It just simply means this. Um, if you're putting on, if you, your goal is to be strong in the Lord and His mighty power, you can last. You can stand forever for your marriage. You can stand. Because you wake up every day and you go, you know what? I have one goal, to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power today. Jesus, help me be an image bearer of you today and bear the fruit of the Spirit with my wicked, evil woman and then my wicked, evil, er, two-year-old and my wicked, evil boss that is straight from the pit of hell and society where they have passed laws of systemic injustice. Um, Jesus, help me be a fruit bearer and help me stand against the evil, but the evil one and the evil schemes and the spiritual evil, not people. Jesus, today, no bitterness, no bitterness. I don't care what happens, no bitterness. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. No bitterness. I'm going to carry the weight of that. I'm going to proclaim the scripture all the time in my mind, in the middle of a meeting, when someone is manifesting quietly in my mind, I am saying, Jesus, I think that is actually real Satan. I think that's, he just turned into the devil. Wow, that is amazing. And that's in my mind. And I'm praying silently in the spirit because I want to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power in the boardroom. I want to be that in the marketplace. I want to be that with my neighbors, my family, my wife, and my terrible two-year-old. And that's when Christians don't quit. They don't go file for a divorce because they can stand and keep standing and keep standing and keep standing and keep standing. And their kids aren't abandoned. And their husband or their wife is not ripped apart. And they can stand against pervasive immorality that comes at them all the time. And they can stand and not medicate themselves with alcohol or drugs or whatever because they're standing in the power of the Lord and they don't need an outlet because they stand. They just stand. They can come against systemic evil in the government. And if it's 50 years they work and there's progress and then the evil generation that comes politically in one week, they undo everything that you did. If you're winning is the goal. If winning is the goal, you will not stand. You will not stand. You want to be the kind of Christian that when you die, Jesus says, well done, you stinking amazing Christian. Versus getting the other thing. You quit. You quit. You just constantly quit. You never fought like I wanted you to fight. You got bitter at church family, bitter, and you got bitter at me. I mean, in the body of Christ globally, there seems to be this like theology of being bitter at God, like that's a real good thing to have. Like you gotta be kidding me. You're bitter at one of the members of the Trinity? Wow, how ill, Whew, how do you get there? Because if you're gonna win and he doesn't perform so you can win, you get bitter at him. Because you got the wrong goal. Wrong goal. That's what creates an army that can change a nation. And it can change the really hard things. 
And I'm going to pray for you. And this is what my prayer is going to be. That you will walk out of here with one singular goal every day. And that is to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. That number two, you will want to be in Christ every day. And you will be confident that you are fully armored. Confident that you are already fully armored. Confident that you are daily fully armored. To stand whatever evil day, evil scheme, or evil entity comes towards you. Because you are also in community. Jesus, I pray that you would show us the profound power of your truth and your presence in our lives. May we walk out of here today with one singular goal in mind, and that's to be strong in you and in your mighty power every day. Jesus, that we would understand the profound power of being in Christ and how we are given your armor so we can fight to the end in our marriage with our kids, with the government. And Father, that we're in community and we will fight together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus.